All right, good morning, church. Hey, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Brian Smith. I'm the student pastor here at DBC, and I am so glad that you are with us this morning. We're starting a brand new series this morning. And in this series, for the rest of this month, we're going to do what you know we're going to do. We're going to focus on the moment that the Word of God put on human form and lived amongst us. We feel this building all throughout the scripture. Starting all the way in Genesis, God begins to tell his people to get ready. That one day he's going to do something new. He's going to send someone who will set right the world, the, the, the separation that humanity has from God. He told the, the prophets, he told Abraham when he began his covenant that all the people of the world would be blessed through his family, through the minor prophets, through the major prophets, through all the Old Testament, God is always pointing to the one that he is going to send, who's going to make things right. In fact, I want to show you one of those moments, one of those prophecies where God is letting his people know that he has something new in store for them. It's found in the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. Malachi, this, this short book in our Bible, the last of our Old Testament, begins with God telling Israel, I love you, you're still my people. He hands them warnings, there's areas where he's disappointed in them, and then he says this near the end. He says in verse 5, look, I'm going to send the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He says, be prepared before the day of the Lord comes, this new thing that your minds can't comprehend. I'm going to send someone in the power and the spirit of Elijah. Keep your eyes open for that. And this person will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children and to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and I'll strike the land with a curse. All throughout the scriptures, through Isaiah and through Malachi, God is saying, get ready. Be prepared. That's what this Christmas season is all about. The the word Advent that we use in church means the, the anticipation of what's to come. Be prepared. And God tells the nation of Israel in Malachi, be prepared. And then church, God is silent for 400 years. As soon as Malachi is finished writing this, or as soon as he's done preaching that message to the nation, there are no more prophets. There are no more mouthpieces of God. God is silent for 400 years. I can't even imagine how long that is. Like my mind can't comprehend that amount of time, 400 years without God moving like he did all throughout the Old Testament. No more leading the people out of Egypt. No more parting of the sea. 400 years of silence. And here's what I have to imagine. The nation of Israel at some point in that 400 years had to start to feel like God had forgotten them. And I don't know about you, church, but like, have you ever felt forgotten? Do you know what it feels like to imagine someone who used to love you and cared about you suddenly doesn't? To just feel ignored and left alone. And I'll be real honest with you, church. I think about this all the time. And, I, and this will come as no shock to any of y'all who, who know me. Uh, but I am one of the most forgetful people there is. Uh, it's obvious if you talk to me, my wife's here, and she could give you a list of all the things that I forget. There almost isn't a day when I like leave my house and get in my car and realize I 
you know, forgot something that I needed. Usually it's my keys, and I don't realize it until I try to put an empty key into the ignition. This is, Sarah told me not to say this because it makes me sound uh, unsmart, but a couple times in my life, not all the time, but a few times in my life, I've woke up in the morning, and I have searched for my keys, and I'm like, where are my daggum keys at? Only to find that I left my truck running in the driveway all night long. I, I'm forgetful is what I'm saying. <laughs> Here's the other one. Uh, if I've ever... If Sarah ever says, hey, Brian, I need you to go to the store to pick up two things, I can guarantee you that I will come back with six things and only one thing she asked me to get, right? I struggle with this. My brain is all over the place. I forget things all the time. And here's one of my greatest fears. And I mean this. I'm terrified that one day I'm going to forget one of my kids somewhere. I got four kids. There's a lot of them. Two of them look exactly alike, right? It's, it's hard. <laughs> and I mean it because... I know what it felt like to be forgotten. Uh, I, I, you know, I work in student ministries. I've been doing this for years, and I've seen the kids who are left behind, and you can see it in their face. Oh, man, did my parents forget me again. If you've ever been forgotten, you know how awful it feels. To think that the person that you loved, that you trusted, uh, who, who guided you and protected you, then suddenly is just not there anymore. And I have to imagine that after Malachi... The nation of Israel, God's chosen people, they had to start feeling that way. God has forgotten about us. And then after 400 years, God breaks that silence in a way that nobody was prepared. Like God often does, he shows up and he works in ways that are bigger than we can imagine, behind the scenes in ways we would not have thought of before. This morning, I want to share with you a passage from the scripture, a story, the moment, the time that God broke this silence, when he finally spoke to his people again, and he started something new that he had been promising from the very beginning. So we're going to be in the book of Luke, uh, starting in chapter 1. Verse 5, the book of of Luke, and we're going to learn about a man named Zechariah and his wife named Elizabeth. So Luke 1, verse 5, it says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all of the commands and all of the requirements of the Lord. This is a quick introduction to this, this couple. We'll, we'll find out later. They are uh, senior adults. They are older in age. And they have been faithfully serving God. He's a, he's a temple priest. Uh, Elizabeth is from a temple priest family. This is a family that's devoted their life. They were called into serving the nation of Israel at the temple and serving God at the temple. And it says specifically about both of them that they kept all of the commands which is wild because none of us do that. Zachariah and Elizabeth, when we think of uh, temple leaders and religious leaders in the scripture, sometimes we think of them in a negative light. That wasn't true for these two. They were good. They were humble. They were righteous. God saw them and he was proud of them and they served in the temple. But they have a tragedy in their story, a tragedy in their life. Verse 7 says, But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. We'll read, as we, as we keep going through this passage, it was the desire, it was the dream of Zechariah and Elizabeth both to have a child. But they weren't able to. 
They weren't able to conceive. They were past the age where that was even possible. And you know, as a temple priest and as a priestly family, you know that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they prayed for a child for years and years and years. They prayed, one day, God, we'll have a child. One day, God, maybe we'll have a child. God, why don't we? And then eventually, they must have got to the place where they accepted it wasn't going to happen. This dream that they had to have a family wasn't going to come true for them. And I know some of us here have felt that same pain of longing for a family, longing for a child, and it not working out. You know, the heartbreak and the hurt that comes with that. And I would imagine in the same way that the nation of Israel probably felt forgotten, Zechariah and Elizabeth probably felt the same way. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and it's just never going to happen. Here's what's unique about Zechariah and Elizabeth, though. Even when they felt forgotten by God, they served him faithfully. Uh, Followers of Jesus, those in the room who, who know Jesus, let me ask you this question before we go any further. Are you willing to faithfully serve God even when you feel forgotten? Zechariah and Elizabeth did. They never gave up. They never turned away. They faithfully served even with the pain of that disappointment and that feeling of forgottenness, like hanging over them. But something unique is about to happen in their story. God is going to show up in a powerful way. Luke chapter 1 verse 8, we read this. When his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was was part of a group of priests who would serve uh, two weeks a year at the temple for a week at a time. It was his turn to serve at the temple. It happened that Zechariah was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So here's what's happening in this moment, because this is a big deal in Zechariah's life. There were all these laws and all these rules about what was required to enter into the presence of God. God had a temple where he was worshipped at. There were courtyards that kept people away. The deeper into the temple you got, the more restrictive it was. And inside the temple, there was a room that was called the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest was allowed to enter one day of the year. Just outside of the Holy of Holies was a room called the Holy Place. And in the Holy Place, there was essentially a barbecue. It was a burning altar where they would put incense, uh, like fragrance, on the altar so it would burn and smoke, and it would fill the Holy Place with smoke to remind the nation and the people and the priest of God's presence everywhere. And the honor of going in and lighting those, that, that incense was so huge that a priest would only have the opportunity to do it one time in his life. Zechariah has been serving for decades. He's old at this point, and he finally has his chance to go into the, the holy place and, and offer these incense. And, and this moment is so unique and it's so holy that only the priest who is selected gets to go in. The rest of the folks at the temple must stay in the courtyard. So Zechariah gets to go in alone and experience this type of worship by himself. Verse 10 says, at the hour of incense, the whole assembly was praying outside. He's all alone. And then in verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. After 400 years of silence, God breaks that silence by sending an angel to talk to this priest, this elderly priest, while he's alone in the temple. He breaks the silence. No prophets 
uh, no great moves, and then suddenly an angel appears, and he talks to Zechariah. Zechariah hears him. Verse 12, when Zechariah saw the angel, he was terrified, and he was overcome with fear. And I love that every single time in the scripture we read about a person encountering an angel, the first thing the angel says is like, dude, calm down. Like, it's all right, because apparently angels are terrifying. So he says to Zechariah, hey, don't be afraid because your prayers have been heard. And I wonder if just for a moment, Zechariah thought, which prayer? Like, I've been, I've been doing this for so long, God. I've been praying for so long. As a priest, he prayed for the nation of Israel, for the Messiah that God had promised, for the forgiveness of their sins. Personally, he's prayed for his wife's heart, their desire to have kids. But I would imagine in this moment, when he heard your prayer has been answered, he probably wasn't thinking about kids. Right? He knew he was too old. I would bet he gave up on that dream. And the angel says, hey, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayers. And then he says to him, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. I'll bet as a priest, he assumed the angel was going to say something about the Messiah or something about the nation of Israel or something huge and important because it's an angel in the temple. But the first thing the angel says is, Zechariah, God has not forgotten you. You personally. And church, I need all of you to hold on to that truth. God has not forgotten you. And I don't know what brought you here this morning, but I know oftentimes during the Christmas season, people decide they want to give God another chance. Maybe you've tried all the other options and there's nothing that's working and you're showing up to church this Sunday just to give God one more chance. It's your only hope left. And I want you to know that God has not forgotten you. It's easy to assume when it feels like there's silence that God has abandoned us or God has left us. But I promise you, church, God has never, ever forgotten you. Regardless of what happens, regardless of what you've done or what you've been through, God hasn't forgotten you. The first thing the angel tells Zechariah is that personal prayer that you prayed for years and years and years, God hasn't forgotten you. We have to hold on to that truth He says in verse 14, There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. Not only is God going to answer their prayer to have a child, he's going to answer the prayer that every parent has ever prayed. God, please let my kid love you. God, please let my child have a real faith. I I wish an angel would tell me that at the beginning for all of my kids, right? The angel says, don't worry, Zachariah. Your son's going to have a unique relationship with the Holy Spirit and with God. He answers the prayer that every parent has ever asked. But like I said, this this moment where God speaks, it's it's bigger than just Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's bigger than their personal prayer. He says, not only will you have a son, not only will he bring joy, not only will he have this unique relationship with God. In this moment, the angel picks up exactly where we left off in Malachi. Malachi ends with that prophecy. 400 years later, an angel shows up and he picks up exactly where we left off. In verse 16, he says, your son... He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteousness and make ready for the Lord prepared 
people. You, you see it? Like it's verbatim. It's exactly what God told the nation of Israel was going to happen in Malachi. And now it's happening to Zechariah. The son that he prayed for is the one who's going to go before the Messiah, before the, the word of God becomes flesh, and he's going to make sure people are ready for that moment. Can you imagine a better answer to a prayer than that? God, we prayed forever for a child, and we gave up on that prayer. We're so old, my wife can't conceive. And then an angel shows up, and he says, God heard you. You'll have a son in the name of John. You're going to love him. He's going to bring joy and delight, and he's the one that was talked about in Malachi. What an what a amazing answer to a prayer. And here's how Zechariah responds in verse 18. Standing in front of an angel in the middle of the temple in a holy place, he says this. I mean, how can I know this? <laughs> Zechariah asked the angel, because I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. I love it. Like, what do you, how can you know? Dude, there's an angel in front of you. Like, what more, what more could you ask for in this moment? An angel standing in front of you and the angel feels the exact same way. I love the response the angel has uh, to Zechariah in this moment. Verse 19, he says, the angel answers him, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the days that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which were filled, uh, will be fulfilled in the proper time. An angel shows up to him and Zachariah goes, I don't think so, dude. And the angel goes, who do you think you're talking to, right? I'm an angel. I was just standing in the presence of God and you're, you're doubting or questioning me in this moment, one of my really good friends, uh, his name was Flip Johnson. He preached on this passage, and his line at this moment was so good, I'm going to steal it. He said, um, in this moment, Zechariah wanted proof and not promises. He wanted proof. The angel told him what was going to happen, but he wanted proof. And I think to myself, like, how, how is it possible to be in that moment to end the temple all alone, selected for one time in your whole life, and there's an angel in front of you telling you what's going to happen, and you're still like, I, I'm not sure what happened. Here's what I think happened in this moment. He actually says it. My wife and I, we're old. We, we can't have kids. Zachariah got so caught up in his circumstances that he forgot about God's promises. And church, we do that as well. We get so caught up in the circumstances of our own life that we forget about God's promises. We forget what they are, and we forget that God always keeps his promises. He, he was so caught up in the reality of the age of him and his wife, of the medical situation where they couldn't conceive. He got caught up in the circumstances. He forgot that God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. And like I said, we do this all the time. Sometimes we get caught up in our own success. We're so focused on how good things are going in our life that we start to ignore uh, the Father. And our focus shifts from Him into the things that we've created. And we think, man, I'm good enough. I can handle this. Sometimes you've experienced this as well. We get so caught up in the pain of the circumstances, the death, disappointment, the loss being let go of your, your uh, position at work, the, the tension in between your families, the arguments that happen at home. And we get so focused on the negative circumstances that we lose sight of God's faithfulness. We forget God's promises. This is what Zechariah did. And the angel says, dude, I'm going to punish. I'm sorry I keep saying dude. I don't mean to do that, everybody. Uh, 
<laughs> Sir, the angel says. <laughs> but because you didn't believe me, there's going to be a consequence. And this consequence would be misery for me. He makes it so that he can't speak. <laughs> and it's for at least nine months that he's silent. We read verse 21 through 23. Zechariah comes out of the temple. And everyone who's been out there praying is amazed that he was in there for so long. And then they realized he must have had a vision. God had spoken. We jump down to verse 24. Uh, we have this insight into Elizabeth that I want you to read. Verse 24, after these days, his wife, Elizabeth, she conceived and she kept herself in seclusion for five months. I, I read a lot of commentaries about why she hid for five months. And there were a lot of ideas. Some, some um, writers thought Elizabeth hid for five months because she was embarrassed to be the age she was and to walk around pregnant. She didn't want people to see that and judge that. Some I read that I, I think makes sense was it was too good to be true she didn't want to risk it. She's been praying for so long. And like I said, I know some of you have gone through this, are going through this. You're, you're longing for that child, and it's just not working. And I want to remind you that God hasn't forgotten about you. Right? Elizabeth remembers it in this moment. Verse 25, she says, The Lord has done this for me. He looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. God remembers us. He never forgot about Elizabeth. Um, you know, months goes by. She has the child. On the eighth day, they're having the, the circumcision ceremony, which is also when a child was, was named. And Elizabeth gives birth, and the people around say, hey, what are we going to name this baby? And she says, John. And the people respond to her. And in verse 61, they say to her, hey, none of your relatives have that name. So they, they motioned for Zechariah to come over, and they asked him what he thought the baby should be named. So he asks for a writing tablet because he still can't speak. And he writes on the tablet, his name is John. And everyone is amazed. No one in the family has that name. Zechariah was so caught up in his circumstances that he forgot about God's promises. He probably felt forgotten in that moment. And he also forgot about who God truly was. And, and, and Zechariah resolves that problem inside of himself in these next few moments. It's, it's really fast. But what he does in this moment, when he maybe felt forgotten or when he had forgotten about God, is an example that you and I should follow when we find ourselves in that same place. So he wrote on the tablet, his name is John, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. Here's what I mean. He remembered the promise. The angel told him, hey, your son's name will be John. He remembered the promise. He held on to the promise that God had made to him. In verse 72, uh, after his mouth starts working again, he starts speaking and praising God. He says this line in verse 72. He says that he, the father, the God of all creation, has dealt mercifully with our ancestors. And God has remembered his covenant. He takes a moment to remember that God always keeps his promises. And if Zechariah would have paused for just a moment when he was in the temple and the angel said, hey, you and your wife are going to have a son. Instead of saying how we're old, he would have remembered how God started the original covenant, the first covenant. God began the first covenant through Abraham in almost the exact same way. An angel appeared to an elderly man named Abram and his wife, Sarah, who could not have children. And he said, hey, 
God is going to give you a child, and that child will be the beginning of this covenant where God is going to save the world. Sarah and Abram didn't believe him in that moment, but God did. If Abraham would have just remembered how God began the first covenant, he would have realized in this moment God was creating the new covenant, the New Testament, the one that he had been promising from the very, very beginning. As a church, here are the two questions. What do we do when we realize that we have forgotten about God? Maybe like Abraham, we get so, Abraham, sorry, Zechariah, we get so caught up in our, our circumstances, our situations, that we lose sight of God's promises and we don't remember them. Or what do you do if you're like Zechariah before the temple? Well, maybe you feel forgotten. What do we do when we feel forgotten by God? We follow Ze- uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth's example. We follow their example. And so here's what I mean by that. When you feel forgotten by God, when you feel like God has forgotten you, you remember the promises that God has made to you. Just take moments, like practice this. Remember the promises that God has made to you. And all throughout the scripture, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises that God made to people groups and to nations. But I I just want to share with you this morning a a list of verses. And I know I already talk fast, and I'm going to put a whole bunch of other verses on the screen, and you're not going to have time to follow along. I'm sorry. Talk to me afterwards. I'll text them to you later if you want them. But I just want to show you, just from the New Testament, some of the things that God promises you and me, if you're a follower of Jesus, you confess your sin, you're, you're part of God's family. These are things that God has promised you. In Colossians 1, 13 through 14, God promises to forgive our sins. The things that's inside of us that separate us from God, he promises to forgive us. In Philippians 4, 13, God promises strength. Don't you need that, church? There are times when we need a strength that's bigger than we can imagine. And God promises to give us strength. In Romans 8, 28, he promises to work all things for our good. Every circumstance, every situation we find ourselves in, God can use those for our good and for our glory. He promises us in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, a peace that goes beyond understanding. With so much stress and anxiety in our worlds and in our lives, in our families, don't we love that promise of peace? A peace that's, that's deeper and is more real than the fear that we feel. God promises Peace. I'm going to read this one. This is Romans 8, 38 and 39. God says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers or anything present or the things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you belong to Jesus, nothing will separate you from God's hand. He will not forget you. He has not forgotten you. In John 3.16, he promises us eternal life that one day there will be a, a time when God wipes away every tear and every heart break and every evil for this world that he promises us as followers of Jesus. The best is always yet to come. This one is a little wild. This is John 16, 33. He writes this, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous courageous, because I have conquered the world. God promises us, church, that we will have suffering. 
all of us, every single one of us in this room. But he promises us that we don't have to go through that alone, that he is with us, and that he has conquered the world. When you start to feel forgotten by God or you realize you have forgotten God, take a moment and remember the promises that God has made to you. The other thing we could do that Zechariah and Elizabeth showed us was they remembered the mission. They served in the temple. They continued the work that God had called them to. And church, every single one of you who is a follower of Jesus, he has given you a mission. It's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, go and make disciples of every nation, of the entire globe, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And even this mission comes with a promise. Jesus says, I will be with you until the end of the age. We don't even do the mission alone. Here's why this matters for us, especially right now during this Christmas season, church. There are going to be people that you encounter on Sunday schools or in the the seats right next to you in church. Maybe they're going to sit around your dining room table when your family gets together, and you're going to encounter people who feel like God has turned their back on them. And you and I, we have this awesome opportunity to go and tell them that God has not forgotten them. You have no idea how powerful that gospel truth could be to someone who feels alone and forgotten. You realize you've turned your back on God. You feel like God has forgotten you. Jump on the mission. Share the truth with people around you. And here's the last thing. Zachariah and Elizabeth couldn't quite comprehend this one because they were at the beginning of this process. But if you ever feel like God has forgotten you, or you ever realize that your heart has grown a little hard and you've started to forget about God, I would say, man, take some time and just remember what Jesus did for you. I've read this verse, I feel like the last few times I've preached, but I think about it all the time. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, He, the Father, made the one who did not know sin, Jesus. So the Father made his son, Jesus, who would never sin, didn't know it at all, to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Like on the cross, Jesus didn't just suffer. He became my sin, Brian's sin. All the sin, all the failures, all the shortcomings, all the shame, all the things that I'm guilty of, he didn't just pay the price for. He became my sins. That's unbelievable. And not only does he become our sins, he transfers us. He exchanges us his righteousness, his right standing with God. That means if you've confessed to Jesus, you've been set free. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus's righteousness. And Jesus was willing to suffer the shame and the pain of the cross. He was willing to suffer becoming sin so we could be set free. If you ever start to feel like God has forgotten about you, remember what he paid for you. If you ever start to feel that hardening of your heart where God's just at a distance, remember what he sacrificed for you. God was silent for 400 years. And then he speaks to an old man who probably felt forgotten. He spoke to a nation that probably felt forgotten. And he reminded them that God has never forgotten us. God has never forgotten you. 
Church, this, this Christmas season, as we continue in this series, and as we spend time with our family and our friends, we drive around looking at Christmas lights and drinking hot chocolate. And during this Christmas season, I want us to practice to remember. We remember the promises that God has made to us. Write them in your Bible. Sketch them on your hands. Tape them to the windows of your cars. Or the, you know, out the window, you need to be able to see. You know what I mean? Dashboard. Remember the mission, church. I, I promise you. I promise you. It's scary sometimes to have those faith conversations, but when you do, and you see God move in those conversations, you'll fall in love with it. We share the mission. We let people know they're not forgotten. And then we just take time to sit and to think about what Jesus did for us. He answered that family's prayer. He also set in motion the moment that the Word of God became flesh lived amongst us and allows us to be free. I'm, I'm going to pray for us, church. If you want to talk, I'm going to stand right over here by that other Christmas tree. And I'd love to talk to you after the service or during this last song. If you want to pray, come and pray. If you're here this morning and you've never made that exchange where you said to Jesus, I know I'm guilty, take my sin, forgive me. And this morning is the morning you want to have that moment and pray at your seat, come and talk to me. Find a person in a green short or one of the pastor's Just respond to the Father in this moment. Y'all pray with me. Father God, we're so grateful that we have the scriptures, that we don't have to wait for prophets uh, to speak to us anymore, that whenever it feels like you're silent, we can just open an app on our phone or open a Bible at our table and we get to hear from you. God, that is so great. Father, thank you for the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, for their faithfulness to serve you, to be on mission even when they felt forgotten. God, thank you for the real human moments where Zechariah questions an angel because he's so focused on his circumstances. He forgot how good your promises are. Father, thank you for the exchange that your son is willing to make on our behalf. God, if we ever start to feel like we have forgotten about you, just remind us of your goodness and all that you've done. God, if we ever start to feel like you have forgotten about us, remind us of your word and how you always keep your promises. And most importantly of all, remind us of Jesus and the price that he paid so we could be set free. Father, we know that in the end, all the things that we've talked about this morning, all the things we celebrate This Christmas season, God, all of these things are only possible because of Jesus, the work he did on the cross and the grave that he left behind. And so, Father, it's in his name and his power that we pray. Amen. Y'all stand up and worship.